0: Awesome, Lord, how's everybody doing this morning? Did you sense any uh, any um, uh, resistance this morning when you came to church? Did you guys sense that this morning? Yeah, there was some resistance. We had to break through, get some breakthrough. Anybody get any breakthrough this morning? Good, man. That, that does it's blowing right on me. I like this place right there. That's where it's coming from. Lord, we praise you. <laughs> Oh, praise God. You guys ready for the Word of God? Amen. I know they're still taking up the offering, but I'm going to go ahead and get started since we have a short period of time. I'm going to kind of review. I'm going to go back to my message that i had been preaching and teaching on. This is more of a teaching than a preaching. And so you guys ready for that? Is that okay? I'm going to do some review. I'm going to kind of go back a little bit and review uh, a little bit about what I've been talking about, and uh, that way it catches everybody up to date. We're not going to start that yet, so back that off if you don't mind. That's way ahead of my schedule. So don't look at that yet, guys. That's where we're going to go. But today I'm hoping and praying that we go, we have three points I'm wanting to really bring home today. So if you're taking notes today, you should leave today with three solid points. Everybody say three. Three. All right. So hopefully you'll be able to take those three points home and uh, allow the Lord to deal with your heart and ask the Lord, even today, I believe God's going to convict and challenge us on where we're at, and I believe those three points are going to make a difference in our lives today, so we'll, we're going we're to go through that today. So, but first, I am going to pick on Mason Llewellyn, because I know he is not afraid to talk. Come here, Mason. You're not afraid to talk, are you, buddy? No, not really. Okay, well, I got a question for you. All right. Okay, get your thinking brain on. Okay, you ready for this? Why do you why do you think that the church exists? Hmm. To give praise to God and to tell others and to lead others to God. Okay, good. That's a good one. All right. So to give praise to God, to worship Him, mm-hmm. and to lead others to Him. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Do I have any other brave? You're good. You did good. I got any other brave ones? I'm gonna pick on Jen. Great. Jen raised her hand. Jen, why does the church exist? Commune with other believers and build each other up in the church. And yeah. Okay. Awesome. Another the good church one. In the definition of the church. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? Adam. Why does the church exist? To praise God. To praise God. To love Him. You got one too. Oh man, she's gonna be shy. You're not shy. I know. <laughs> Ari, why does the church exist? Um. So that we can. so that we can fellowship with other believers and then um, bring others here so that they can become believers all right pardon To to learn to learn all right how'd they do guys all of those are aspects of why the church exists I want to make sure that we all, as I review my message and we get into, I really want us to all come to a more defined reason why the church exists. All their answers were correct in that what we're trying to accomplish as a church. But what I've been talking about over the last several weeks has been about discipleship and stuff. And you guys can now put that scripture back up there. I want to, I want to just kind of refresh our hearts on where we're going And it's really important, guys, that you as youth get this in your hearts and really, really make it a part of your ownership inside of you, and all of us do, because Matthew 28, 19 really, really begins to zero down on why the church exists. Everybody read it with me. We're going to all read it together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That passage is called what? The Great Commission. This was the last thing that Jesus told his disciples as he was getting ready to leave. This was his command. He said, go, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Now, that is ultimately what we're about, is to go and make disciples. Everybody say disciples. Everybody say disciples. Disciples. And we're to teach them, we're to to teach them everything that the Lord has commanded. All week, I give my life to this, teaching people to obey the Word of God and what God says. That's really what it's about. The body of Christ exists. We exist in the planet to make disciples. Are you guys with that? Now, it incorporates worship of God, loving Him, because we, what are we doing? We're teaching everybody what God has commanded. We're teaching them to worship, as, as uh, we heard over here. We're, we're teaching how the Word of God and how to apply it to our lives so that we are all obeying God. And so everything that you guys said is about equipping and teaching people to do, or how we get close to God, how we fellowship, how we, you know, the body comes together. Well, it's very important, one of them, how the the church comes together and communes together and builds each other up. Well, that's all part of obeying God's commands. Can I have an amen on that? And so I want to go a little further, and I want us to kind of really Make sure that we're all on the same page. We are all in agreement on our purpose of making disciples and teaching people to obey the Lord. Does anybody want to obey the Lord? I do. Sometimes it's a real struggle. Anybody ever have a problem in their own life obeying the Word of the Lord? Oh, yeah. Every one of us do it. Every one of us struggle in some point, right? But here's what I want to go a little further. I want to personalize it now. Who is the church? Okay, so it's not this building. New Covenant is not the church. We are the church. Okay, so we're gonna personalize this. So, my goal, our goal, is that you all are to make disciples. That we're all called to this great commission. It's not the entity of New Covenant Worship Center that is called to make disciples. That's bogus. And if we don't realize that, what we will do is we will not have a sense of responsibility today of the call that we have on our lives. Every one of us are called to make disciples. It wasn't the disciples only. It wasn't Peter, James, John, was it? It wasn't just them, but the body of Christ, us, we. Can everybody say we? We. Everybody say, "I'm I'm called to disciple. Are we in agreement with that? Does that make sense? Is everybody, are you on the same page? That you literally, you are responsible. We're all responsible disciple. Does that scare anybody? Does that, does, that, does that make you feel like, wow, I don't know if I can do that? All of us are in a different place in our walk with Christ, right? Some of us have, are further down the road and some are less down the road, but there's always somebody behind you. There's always somebody that you can help, and you know what? People come in and out of your life, and what are we to do? We're basically just to help them to discover God. We're to help them to obey all that he has commanded. Is anybody willing to be a part of that? So point number one today, the first point that I want to talk about, your purpose is to disciple. My purpose as disciple, to teach others. So point one, we're just going to start there. And I've talked about this for several weeks back, that the body of Christ, we are here to disciple. That was the first point that you're going to have in your notes. I'm called to disciple. So put that in your notes. I'm called to disciple. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but that's where we're going to start. That's kind of the review from last week. But what I spent a lot of time, I don't know if that's gold dust or not, but there is a lot of shiny stuff on the floor there. Does anybody see that? Wow, there's some something sparkly right there. That or something fell off somebody. Amen. Rabbit trail. Everybody, help Eric bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. But today, what I want to do is I want to. Move, I want, so I I want us all to be in agreement that the purpose of the church is to make disciples. Are we there? I'm not going to spend any more time there. Our call is to make disciples. The second point I want to make today, and this is where a lot of my messages several weeks ago went on, is what in the world is a disciple? What does a disciple look like? What does a disciple act like? What is is a disciple? And so I'm going to go through a definition. I've been reading several books. I've been asking the Lord on this whole journey of discipleship and where he's trying to take us as a church. There is something the Lord's trying to do in us and in our hearts and in our thinking. The body of Christ really does need to change. Boy, you guys are quiet. The body of Christ in America really needs help. The body of Christ in America doesn't really do a good job of following. Can I have an amen on that? So I want to talk today about what a disciple is. I want to refresh our minds, and I want to zero in on a definition of what a disciple is so that you know what you're to look like. Does that sound good? If you aim at nothing, you usually hit it. <laughs> but if we're aiming at something of what we're to become, I, I, I know what I'm to be. I know where I'm, I'm going towards. You set a goal, Amen. And so today, we're going to get into the Word, and we're going to talk about we must decide and agree on what a disciple is. What do you think a disciple is? Because that is what you're supposed to be and to look like. So, what is a disciple? Now, several weeks ago, as I review, several weeks ago, I mean, I gave you just the broad definition of a disciple. A broad definition of a disciple is a follower, a learner, it's, it's, it's one who is listening to the, the, the ways of the Lord and trying to put that into action into their life. But we're going to look at a passage out of Matthew, and, and, and this is in the book called How to Make Disciples. It's really good. We're going to look at Matthew 4.19, and this is a real simple a definition of what a disciple is. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I really feel like this is important for us to get, because this is where I believe the biggest breakdown in the body of Christ is, is when it comes to that right there, follow me. We don't understand what follow me is, and I spend a lot of time talking about what it means to follow Christ. To be his disciple, we must recognize, bear with me here, guys. You guys with me? Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus. That you would help us right now, Father, to really get an understanding of what a disciple is. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need you to move into our hearts right now. And I ask right now, God, that you would give us understanding and revelation. That, Father, you would begin to challenge our hearts on where we're at. In this process of making disciples and being a disciple. Father, we're all here in desperate need of more of you. We want to be followers of you. So, God, would you help me as you as as we go through this message, God? We desperately need your, your power and your presence on this word. Father, I come against any deception. I come against anything that would try to hinder any of us from receiving your word today. Father, let Matthew 4 come alive. As you called the disciples, you said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Father, I ask God, we need your blowing of the Spirit on this message. We need change. We need breakthrough in the body of Christ. So, Father, I ask for your help right now in the name of Jesus. Everybody said... Amen. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. A disciple, in the definition of a disciple, a disciple follows. Everybody say follows. To be a disciple, we must recognize and accept who Jesus is, and we must place ourselves under his authority. Now, that sounds really easy in the head, but it is different to take what is in your head and for it to get into your heart, and we actually allow Christ to truly be in his rightful position of he is in the lead and I am a follower. Many people in the body of Christ today are part-time followers of Christ. I, at times, am a part-time follower of Christ. Anybody else? We must place ourselves under his authority. Jesus said, come follow me, which means we start becoming a disciple when we understand our position is behind him. I start becoming a disciple when I realize that he is in head and I am below. He is above and I am beneath. That's when I start. Remember, I talked about several weeks ago about how we have to move from believing to following. We, the, most people in America, we talked about how 80% of the people in America say they believe in Christ. In America, 80% of people say they believe. But there's a big difference between believing and following. Can I have an amen on that? And even in our own lives, we get these brain farts where we, we want to follow, we want to do what is right. We want to follow, every one of us in our inner man, if we are born again, we want to follow. Paul talks about in Romans 7 where he doesn't do what he wants to do, but the very thing he doesn't want to do, he keeps on doing. And so this isn't about us being perfect. We are to be holy as he is holy, and it, but it is a process that the Lord is looking. God is looking for every one of us in this room to move this ball down the field we talked about. The goal is not you all, I mean, yes, the goal is perfection, but that is going to happen when we're in heaven. I mean, I will be changed and I will take on the very perfection of Christ when I cross over. I'm looking forward to that day. Me and Alex were talking about it earlier. Matter of fact, it looks really good today to cross over, to be on the other side, to be with Christ. I will then be perfected. So this process of discipleship is this process of you and I doing the hard things of following Christ when it's not popular, following Christ when no one else wants to, that we become a people who are radical, passionate, aggressive, lovers of God who follow him down the field. And each of us are in a different place. And yes, I don't want to bring shame back on us today. It's not that we are, um, we are not sinful people. We are glorified people in Christ. I am a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. It's just about us surrendering to the position of Christ and letting him be God and me being second, third, fourth. You know what I'm talking about. He leads, we follow. Everybody say that. He leads, we follow. Say it again. He leads, we follow. Say it again. He leads, I follow. He leads, I follow. God, would you get that in our hearts right now? Just stop for a moment. Just close your eyes. God, would you get that in our hearts right now? You lead, I follow. You really are the righteous king. You really are the king of glory. You lead, and I follow. Will you surrender that right now? Would you say yes to that? You lead, I follow. In John 12, Jesus said this. He said, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. (laughs) I will be about what he's doing. Whoever serves me must follow me. Man, that seems so black and white, doesn't it? (laughs) It is. (laughs) It is black and white, guys. I got good news for you. He really is the king of glory. He is a king and he has a kingdom. (laughs) He really does want to be followed. (laughs) Imagine that. whoever serves me must follow me. He also said in Matthew, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. Wow. Gosh, Lord, why are you making it so difficult? Why is the cards all in your hands? Does anybody want to be his disciple? Whoever wants to be my disciple. So there has to be this wanting thing inside of us. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It really is about following. As Jesus revealed the truth about who he was, people had to decide whether to follow him or not. They had many excuses for not accepting him into his rightful place of authority. They had all kinds of excuses. Can you guys remember any of the excuses? I remember the one in the Bible where it talks about the guy's dad had died and he wanted to go bury his father. And Jesus said, no, let the dead bury them dead. Come follow me. I can't even go to my dad's funeral. The issue was at the funeral. The issue was Christ was calling him to followership, followership. Others loved their money, their position, and their status way too much so they wouldn't follow him. The rich young ruler came to him and said, what must I do to be saved? What, what do I need to do? I, I believe everything that you're saying. And Jesus said, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. What did he do? Oh, man, he went around depressed. Guess what he did? He didn't follow because Jesus saw in his heart that his money, his status, his wealth was more important to him than Jesus was. See, in Jesus' time, there was a lot of people that said they wanted to follow. Matter of fact, I showed a video the last time I I preached, and remember the video of the followers and how the number kept ticking up and up, kept ticking up? And people were following Jesus and following Jesus. And then all of a sudden the discipleship, the followers started unfriending him. Because even some quit following him because they couldn't understand what he was preaching and teaching. He was teaching in parables many times and they didn't understand it. Matter of fact, one time he came and he said, hey, if you want to follow me, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Whoa, we are in a cult today, guys. Eat of your flesh and drink of your cup, drink of your blood. And and they they didn't understand and they quit following. That seems too hard. But again, Jesus was trying to teach them something and bring something to them. Some after following for a while didn't like or understand what he was saying, so they quit following. Others did not have the time in their schedule. Time is a big issue in America. Can I have an amen on that? I would have loved to have shown the video. I showed it several, several years ago. It's so old, I think it may still be on VCR. (laughs) But it's about how busy, busy, busy. You're a very busy man. You're running with your eyes closed. We're very busy. Time. Many quit following Christ because they didn't have the time. Still others believed he was the Messiah, yet they wanted the praise of men rather than the praise of God, so they quit following. I wanted to bring up all these scriptures, and still others just wanted to be partially following Christ. There's so many examples in the Word of God how people followed Jesus even at a distance. And the same today, people like us who are born again love Jesus. These same issues apply. Many people like the idea of being saved from sin. Anybody like being saved from sin? We rejoiced about how we have the blood of Jesus applied to our life. We got excited about it, right? But here's the one thing that I think God wants to get in our hearts today as we are becoming followers. Disciples move from believing to following. Here's the deal. Do you want all of Christ or do you want part of Christ? The part that's real exciting is when I get Jesus Christ as my Savior. But he also is Lord. And the Lord part is the part we're struggling with. Making him Lord of our life. Everybody wants him as a fire escape. They don't want hell. They want want out of him what benefits them. But consumerism has infiltrated the church so strong, we think this is all about us. And he has to move from being Savior and he has to move to becoming Lord of everything there is about Eric Haler and your life. Is Christ Lord? He is Lord in his position, he is Lord over the universe, he is the Lord that is who he is. But has he become Lord by your own surrender? Because he is who he is. It's just whether we allow him to be that. Can I have an amen on that? This is a tough message, guys. God is wanting to go deep. There is uh, Alex and his wife, Kate, their daughter several weeks ago had a dream. And in the dream, she literally saw the four types of soil in the parable that Jesus taught in the Word of God. And in that parable, you know, the seed of the Word of God is is put on the path that was one of the soils and the birds come and they pick up the seed and they eat the seed there's the path on the thorny soil where the thorns the cares of this world they choke off the word of God and what is what is trying to be produced in us then there's the what the the stony the stony soil and then there's the good soil I believe we have good soil here are you good soil God is wanting to produce a harvest through us. He is wanting, to, he is wanting to, to mobilize an army to affect a city and a region. That excites me. And we have to become good soil. He is Savior and he is Lord. He is, he is who he is and we must accept him as he is and follow him if we want to be his disciples. Can I have an amen on that? Yet many Christians think it's really Jesus' job. (laughs) I've been there. I've done this. I've put this in my pipe and smoked it. Many of us have felt that it's Jesus' job to take care of my desires and my needs and my wants, and it's all about me. I've been there. Anybody else? But that's simply not the truth. He is a king with a kingdom. And we're going to go somewhere with him. And I tell you what, the, the, in Jesus' time, the disciples got fewer. And then they got bigger. And then they got fewer. But we really are looking. I'm telling you, God's wanting to raise up an army. Are you guys in the army? You know, several m- months ago, Rachel said she was all in. She had had that picture of all the chips at the poker table and putting all the chips in. She says, I'm all in. You remember that? I'm about to cook up here. We shouldn't let Tom turn that off. Mm. Bear with me, guys. I know this is a tough message. And I know it's not entertaining. And I know it's even hard for me to give it. It's even more difficult because we're in a time when really we do want to hear what our itching ears want to hear. We want to hear all the good. We want to hear all the fluff. But God really wants to get our attention. He's really wanting to change us. Can I have an amen on that? You know, really take it or leave it. Jesus is Lord. He really is. Take it or leave it. He is Lord. He is who He said He is. He's going to do what He said He's going to do. And He's going to come back for a holy bride without spot or wrinkle. He's going to come back to a bride who is desperately longing for their bridegroom. He is going to come for a people who are after Him, who are following Him. They have put Him in His rightful place. He is the lead and I am the one following. So the first thing about of a definition your second point that you have on your notes today the second point of your notes today is a disciple is someone who follows so the first part was I am to make disciples and what does a disciple look like a disciple is one who follows so if you're a disciple of the Lord you are one who follows Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So the first part of our definition about a disciple is a disciple is one who follows. So we're going to agree that the purpose of the church is not only to make disciples, but the purpose of the church is to be a disciple. And what a disciple does is a disciple is one who follows. How are you doing at that? We all need to grow in it, don't we? But have you made the intellectual, the mental commitment to follow Christ? Because that commitment that you've made in your mental status has got to move down into your heart. And the way it moves down into your heart is you become a follower. you move from believing to following. Everybody say amen with me. I'm giving you the truth. And so now I want to move on to the second point. In this passage, it says, come follow me, and I will make you. So the first part of the definition, which was your point two, is that disciples follow. Guess what the second part of the definition is? I will make you. The second part of the, of the equation of what a disciple is, is a disciple is changing. Gosh, you guys are a hard to class today. Woo! Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come, follow me, and I will make. The invitation from Jesus was to come follow him, but this verse shows us that his intent was to do something. It wasn't that he just wanted them to follow him. He says, I want you to follow me, and I want to make you something. I want to change something. I want to transform something in you, and I want you to become different. So the invitation was not just to follow, but a disciple follows, but a disciple becomes changed. help me. He invited them to be followers, but he also told them that he was going to change them. He invited them to be disciples. He invited them to come follow, but he invited them and he said, I'm going to change you. I will make you into something. He was taking regular, ordinary men, not real schooled, people just like us, he was taking ordinary men and he was going to make them into something. He was going to make them into world changers. He said, if you'll come follow me, I'm going to make you into something and it's going to amaze the people around you. Because when I get done with you, Jesus says, you're going to be a brand new man. A brand new woman. There's something that's going to come out of you that is going to be amazing. That's what he was saying to his disciples. Guys, I'm going to take you ordinary fishermen, tax collector, ordinary guys that were working the field, and I'm going to make you something. Hmm. Anybody want to be made into something? He intended to shape them. He intended to put them up on the potter's wheel and begin to mold them and to push them and to teach them and to equip them. Jesus was in the process of changing them. Can I have an amen on that? And then later on in John 15, he says, not only am I going to change you, but he says in this, he says, I'm the vine, and my father is the vine dresser, and he comes and he prunes all the, all the, all the branches that are not maintaining any fruit, and he says, I prune them and I cut them to make them more fruitful. And I don't know about you guys, I know what this church is going through right now. There's all kinds of people in tests right now. There's all kinds of trials going on. And God is pruning. He's pruning our branches. He's making us more fruitful. He's wanting to find out what we're made of. He's in the process of making us. He is. We're right in the middle of it. I, I have people call me and it's like, oh, here's another one. I had three before I even came to church this morning. Three trials other people had. My phone was ringing. That's one of the reasons I was late. Because people are under trial. And I say, Praise God, hallelujah. (laughs) Count it all joy, brethren, when you undergo trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith must produce perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work in you, that you might be complete, mature, lacking. And so God began to talk to me this past week. He said, Man, the body of Christ has no clue what they're lacking. Again, Jesus shows us his intent. Come follow me and I'll make you. He's making you through the trial. He's putting pressure. He's forging you. He's got you in the wine press. He's cutting back your branches and you're going, ow. And he goes, I want to go a little further. And you say, how much blood do you want? All of it. I want it all. I can't give anymore. Yeah, you can. You can. Because he's the vine dresser. He's the pruner. I was sharing with somebody this week, man, I prune my trees at home. I love pruning my trees. I've got some beautiful Bradford pears at my house. They're full, they're thick. Because I clip the limbs on them to make them full. My tomato plants, I trim them, I bush them to get them bushy and healthy to make more tomatoes. (laughs) Maters, you know. Jesus wants to make us. And so if you don't don't get sympathy from me when you're going through your trial, you'll probably get from me, awesome, praise God. You're in the fiery furnace. You're being pruned by the God. There's something you're lacking that you don't know you're lacking and God's trying to bring it to you. Read the scripture. It says it right at the very end that you might be mature complete and lacking nothing here's the problem you got blinders on and you can't see what you're lacking and you actually need some people around you that you can trust to say where am i lacking what do you see what do you see and so then you open yourself up for correction which god prophesied over me that i was going to what And that I was to help people correct their lives so that they clean up their lives. So that we might raise up an army. And I love it when I go to my wife and I ask her, hey babe, what do you see in me? Correct me, but correct me gently, please. And I ask for input from my wife. I ask her, what do you see? And I need to do more of that. Because the pruning process is a painful process. Can I have an amen on that? We're in a very painful process as a church. Because we either are going to get over the hump of these trials and these things that we're going through. Where God is trying to make us something. Or we quit. And here's the deal. It's much easier to quit. I told Gary Tower in the trial he's in. I said, dude, it's so much easier for you to quit. It is easier for you to quit and just die. Easier. Everybody does it. But you are a man of God. You are the righteous king. Fight and win your battle. So that you might disciple others and love others and help others to come through the valley. What if I would have quit with Joel when he was in a wheelchair? What if... What if we as a church would to quit when we pray for another one with cancer and another one with cancer and we don't see it healed? We've got to keep standing. We've got to keep believing. We can't keep fighting and allow God to change us and transform us. Can I have an amen on that? Now yeah, you're waking up. The part about the disciple, the discipline and the and following was really heavy, but now when you hear the purpose and the, pr- the reason by which why you're going through the, the, the following part is to get to this place. We're following so he can make us something. We're going through the trials to get somewhere. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. I need some people who keep fighting. Quit, Don't quit. That's the easiest thing to do. But you never get anywhere. Can I have an amen on that? So where was I? That was good, by the way, don't you think? Hmm. To produce fruit, the disciples would need some serious work. And what kind of fruit was Jesus looking for from them? He was going to teach them and empower them to be like himself. He was going to confront their beliefs, which is in their head. He was going to confront their attitudes, which is in their heart. Their character, he was going to confront that stuff. When the disciples came to him and said, well, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Can I sit beside you? And he said, man, it's not even... He confronted the attitude. He was confronting the character that they thought that they could sit beside him and they were first. That's what he did. He confronted it. That's what he wants to do with us. Confront our attitudes. He wants to confront our beliefs. And he also wants to confront our actions. Amen? Amen our hands, and he shaped them into messengers who would deliver the good news to the world. He wanted these men to reflect who he was, and if they did this well, it would draw men to Jesus. Did you hear me? He was trying to conform some men. He was trying to make them into something so that they could be good messengers and they could reflect him so that the world would be drawn to him. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So he's looking for an army of people who will follow and allow God to make them into something. Because I tell you what, there's no real wise ones in here. I'm just an average guy, just like you, that God uses and he conforms us to his image. I love it, don't you? As he shapes us, he will make us messengers. Romans 28, or excuse me, Romans 8 says this, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. You have been predestined to be conformed to the very image of his Son. Say, I have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Man, what does the word predestined mean to you? It's already been decided. decided. I have been been authorized, deputized to be in the very image of God. Imperfect now, but I'm moving my ball down the field. To be conformed to the image of his son. See when we talk about Matthew 4:19 he said come follow me disciples follow but he said and I will make you disciples are changing everybody say disciples are changing so your third point on your notes today a disciple is one who is being changed by Christ Paul talks about it in Ephesians, about being transformed and changed. Galatians talk about the fruit of the Spirit and how the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience. When God changes us, I begin to love differently. When God changes me, I begin to act differently. When God changes me, I begin to think differently. Hmm. So the second part of the definition of disciple is that. So point one was what? The purpose of the church is what? To make disciples. To teach people God's ways. The second point was disciples. The the definition of a disciple that we all have got to come to grips with is that disciples do what? They follow him. And the third point today is a disciple is what? One who is what? being changed where are you at in the process have you submitted are you following are you allowing him to change you i tell you what i've taken my love to failure several times this week to love the way he loves is not the way eric wants to love to be patient with some people has anybody ever struggled being patient with people To be a disciple means that what you know in your head is moving to your heart. And it's causing change in your character. You're loving differently. You're allowing your life to be conformed to his ways. You're moving the ball down the field. Now, I believe God's wanting us to make a greater commitment this morning. Here's what I believe the Spirit of God is wanting from us today. All of us are in to a different degree. Every one of us are in at a different level. We need to move the chips of our life completely on to the table, Christ's table. I believe God's looking for a greater commitment from His people. Does anybody believe that? And I know we cannot do it in our own strength. It takes the Holy Spirit. The Lord set us up this morning with being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have got to, Jesus said, if I don't send the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have enough power in order to do it. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. The power, what he gave the disciples was the power of the Holy Spirit in order to make the transforming process possible. Possible. But here's one lie I want to, I want to confront today. There are many in this room, you don't believe the transformation process is possible. There is a lie that you believe that I cannot be transformed, I cannot be changed, that it's not possible. So what the Lord told me this morning as I was praying, he said, there's many in the house of God that don't believe that it's possible. And I want to confront that lie. And if you have that lie where you say, I just give up, I quit. If you're a quitter, if you quit a lot, you believe the lie, it's not possible. But by faith, faith says all things are possible for them who believe. So I have to believe it's possible. If you don't believe it's possible, you will always quit. You will always faint. And so if you'll stand up with me today, I want to pray with us. I want to assault the lie first, and I want to pray against this lie that it's not possible. Because you can't make a commitment to something you don't believe is possible. (laughs) Does that make sense? Is everybody with me? Okay, it's 1214. We're in good shape. The roast won't burn. And if it does... Maybe you were supposed to fast today. Okay. If you believe that it's not possible, just ask the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray right now. I want you to pray this. You can pray it silently or out loud. Holy Spirit, do I believe the lie that it's not possible to change? Now listen. The Holy Spirit really doesn't take a long time to answer. And if you didn't get an answer, you probably do believe that. But here's what I want to do. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to ask the Lord to forgive you. Father, in the name of Jesus, go ahead. I'm sorry that I haven't believed that it's possible for you to change me. Forgive me. I'm sorry. What is your truth? Now listen. Just listen right now. Lord, what is the truth you want us to believe right now? Lord, I ask that you speak to every individual. What is the truth that assaults that lie, God, that it's not possible? What'd the Lord say to you? Would the Lord just download in your heart? Is it possible? Well, Father, I ask that you forgive us in the name of Jesus for believing that lie that it's not possible to change. Father, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Father, the enemy has been working all day to discourage the body of Christ. And Father, we just renounce him in the name of Jesus right now. We take authority over that lie. We say, no, you cannot lie to us any longer. But, Father, I declare prophetically the truth is you change us. You transform us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That in you we live and move and have our being. And that you change us. And that you truly, we've been predestined to be conformed to your very Son. I have been called... To be conformed to the image of the Son. Say it with me. I have been called to be conformed to the image of the Son. I will be conformed to your image, O God. And I receive that in Jesus' name. And I believe it. I choose to believe In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now today, Father, you're asking us to make a commitment to you, all of us in this room, to be all in. I don't know what gesture, prophetic gesture you need to do. But I want you to come in agreement with me that you're all in. And that you're going to follow him. And you're going to allow him to change you. And to me, in my mind, what I see, as I do, I see this huge, this huge chips just like what Rachel saw. And I tell you what, there's chips of sports, there's chips of work, there's chips of my free time, my entertainment, my, my garbage, my all the stuff that I think is so important to me. And I just see me moving those chips out into the center table of Christ and pushing them up on top of his altar and saying, I'm all in. I give it all to you. So I just want you to do some type of prophetic gesture on what you're doing, however you want to do it, whether you want to push something forward, whether you want to raise your hands, whether you just want to say, here it is, God, I give it to you. But I want you to tell him, Lord, I'm all in. Make that commitment, say, God, I'm all in. If you can't say that yet, meet with me afterwards. I'll help you. Here's another thing we need to do. We need to do business. Lord, in the name of Jesus, say, Jesus, forgive me for holding on to my chips, for not being in the game totally, to reserving part of it back for me. Forgive me for protecting my time, for protecting my stuff, protecting my entertainment, My money, everything that I thought so important to me, forgive me today. I surrender to following you and allowing you to make me who you want me to be. My chips are on the table. I receive you, Jesus, anew today. You're my Lord. You're my Lord. Tell him, you're my Lord. Not just Savior, but today I'm making you Lord. (laughs) That felt pretty good. I'm making you Lord. And I take my hands off the steering wheel. And I'm going to sit in a passenger seat and I'm going to let you drive this plane. God. Father, today, I just pray, God, there's going to be things that we go through even today. When we go to the restaurants, when we go to family, where we go any other place, Father, we're going to want to take some of this stuff back. But Father, I ask right now that there would be no backlash, that God, you would help us as we've made this commitment to you this morning. God, help us to stay focused in following you today following you and how we love our waitresses, following you on how we love our families, following you and how we spend our time, following you on what we do today, that we give it all to you. Father, I thank you for that. And I just pray, God, for a sealing of this word in our hearts, that it would not fall on the path where the birds come and eat it. It would not fall on the path where there's stony ground and there's no dirt for the word to be able to stay. There's no room for the thorns and the cares of this world and the worries of life to steal this word. But Father, today we're good soil planted in you to produce a harvest in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for it. And Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name next week I'm going to go into this and I'm going to talk about how we've made a commitment in our head. We're making a commitment to follow and allow him to change us. But I'm going to talk about what it should then produce inside of us. And so that's what we're going to talk about next week. If you're here today and you need prayer, our team's going to be up here to pray with you. If you need to make a commitment to Christ in a new way and you're just needing someone to pray with you, if you're needing filled with the Holy Spirit, like we talked about earlier, Make sure your needs get met before you leave. But we love you. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name.